Section 23 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leanne Howlett. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 2, by Henry Gray. Metatarsophalangeal Articulations. 7H. Metatarsophalangeal Articulations. Articulations. Metatarsophalange. The metatarsophalangeal articulations are of the condyloid kind, formed by the reception of the rounded heads of the metatarsal bones in shallow cavities on the ends of the first phalanges. The ligaments are the plantar and two collateral. The plantar ligaments. Ligamenta, accessoria, plantaria, glenoid ligaments of cruveillet. The plantar ligaments are thick, dense, fibrous structures. They are placed on the plantar surfaces of the joints in the intervals between the collateral ligaments to which they are connected. They are loosely united to the metatarsal bones, but very firmly to the bases of the first phalanges. Their plantar surfaces are intimately blended with the transverse metatarsal ligament and grooved for the passage of the flexor tendons, the sheaths surrounding which are connected to the sides of the grooves. Their deep surfaces form part of the articular facets for the heads of the metatarsal bones and are lined by synovial membrane. The Collateral Ligaments Ligamenta, Collateralia, Lateral Ligaments the collateral ligaments are strong, rounded cords placed one on either side of each joint and attached by one end to the posterior tubercle on the side of the head of the metatarsal bone and by the other to the contiguous extremity of the phalanx. The place of dorsal ligaments is supplied by the extensor tendons on the dorsal surfaces of the joints. Movements the movements permitted in the metatarsophalangeal articulations are flexion, extension, abduction, and adduction. 7i. Articulations of the digits. Articulations digitorum pedis, articulations of the phalanges. The interphalangeal articulations are jinglomoid joints, and each has a plantar and two collateral ligaments. The arrangement of these ligaments is similar to that in the metatarsophalangeal articulations. The extensor tendons supply the places of dorsal ligaments. Movements. The only movements permitted in the joints of the digits are flexion and extension. These movements are more extensive between the first and second phalanges than between the second and third. The amount of flexion is very considerable, but extension is limited by the plantar and collateral ligaments. 7J. Arches of the foot. In order to allow it to support the weight of the body and the erect posture with the least expenditure of material, the foot is constructed of a series of arches formed by the tarsal and metatarsal bones and strengthened by the ligaments and tendons of the foot. The main arches are the anteroposterior arches, which may for descriptive purposes be regarded as divisible into two types, a medial and a lateral. The medial arch is made up by the calcaneus, the talus, the navicular, the three cuneiforms, and the first, second, and third metatarsals. 
Its summit is at the superior articular surface of the talus, and its two extremities or piers, on which it rests in standing, are the tuberosity on the plantar surface of the calcaneus posteriorly, and the heads of the first, second, and third metatarsal bones anteriorly. The chief characteristic of this arch is its elasticity, due to its height and to the number of small joints between its component parts. Its weakest part, that is, the part most liable to yield from overpressure, is the joint between the talus and navicular, but this portion is braced by the plantar calcaneonavicular ligament, which is elastic and is thus able to quickly restore the arch to its pristine condition when the disturbing force is removed. The ligament is strengthened medially by blending with the deltoid ligament of the ankle joint, and is supported inferiorly by the tendon of the tibialis posterior, which is spread out in a fan-shaped insertion and prevents undue tension of the ligament or such an amount of stretching as would permanently elongate it. The arch is further supported by the plantar aponeurosis, by the small muscles in the sole of the foot, by the tendons of the tibialis anterior and posterior, and peroneus longus, and by the ligaments of all the articulations involved. The lateral arch is composed of the calcaneus, the cuboid, and the fourth and fifth metatarsals. Its summit is at the talocalcaneal articulation, and its chief joint is the calcaneocuboid, which possesses a special mechanism for locking and allows only a limited movement. The most marked features of this arch are its solidity and its slight elevation. Two strong ligaments, the long plantar and the plantar calcaneocuboid, together with the extensor tendons and the short muscles of the little toe, preserve its integrity. While these medial and lateral arches may be readily demonstrated as the component antero-posterior arches of the foot, yet the fundamental longitudinal arch is contributed to by both, and consists of the calcaneus, cuboid, third cuneiform, and third metatarsal. All the other bones of the foot may be removed without destroying this arch. In addition to the longitudinal arches, the foot presents a series of transverse arches, at the posterior part of the metatarsus and the anterior part of the tarsus, the arches are complete, but in the middle of the tarsus they present more the characters of half-domes, the concavities of which are directed downward and medialward, so that when the medial borders of the feet are placed in opposition, a complete tarsal dome is formed. The transverse arches are strengthened by the interosseous, plantar, and dorsal ligaments, by the short muscles of the first and fifth toes, especially the transverse head of the adductor hallucis, and by the peroneus longus, whose tendon stretches across between the piers of the arches. End of section 23. Recording by Leanne Howlett.